0: Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Daniel Williams, tactical strength and conditioning coach for the United States Navy, hosted by Justin Choi. views and opinions expressed in this interview are not that of the United States government, the DOD, or KBR contract.
1: Uh, Daniel Williams for uh, coming on today. Um, I'm Justin Schwinn and Darius Um I'm a human performance advisor for uh, AFSOC and uh, Darius DeCree is a strength and conditioning coach for AFSOC um, and um, we have, uh, we're here to kind of dive into different coaches uh, and kind of hear their philosophy and hear their, uh, their ability to create buy-in for their athletes. Um, from every aspect of every uh, 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 every part of the strength and conditioning field. Um, today we have uh, Daniel Williams. He is a uh, KBR uh, contractor with DOD, and uh, he works with the Navy. And um, we are going to uh, kind of hear his take. Um, <laughs> and hopefully he doesn't fall. But here, <laughs> here his take on uh, how he sees things in our setting. And uh, and what I'll say is in this process, coach, uh you can be as real as you want. But uh, other than that, uh Daniel Williams and two and a half minutes. Oh
0: uh yep, like I said, I'm Daniel Williams. I'm a KBR employee on DOD contract, uh I live here in San Diego, California. Um it's beautiful. It's my office right now. I love it. Uh, nice outdoors. Seventy degrees. Um, I was formerly in the college setting, like most of um, the people that I work with. in This community uh, was uh, fortunate to be able to coach at Florida State uh, and then at the College of Charleston, um, and then I moved on from there into the into the profession I am now. Um, very blessed to feel good about. Uh, you know, kind of providing my service to uh, the country uh, in a way that I think that I can do. Um, And um, former college athlete, that's where I met uh, our host here. And um, he was my strength coach, and I was able and fortunate to be able to uh, learn from him and then uh, take uh, my career uh, to where it is today, hopefully further than that.
1: Thanks, Coach. Uh, real quick, uh, first question. Want to shoot at you? Um, what motivates you um, in your current setting? Uh, how has it changed when you first got into it? You know, kind of like I tell people, I was full of piss and vinegar when I first got into it. My, my motivation was to win all the shiny things. Um, that's changed over time. And uh, how has it changed? And then second piece to that question. How do do you motivate your staff? Um, And how has that changed over time? Um, If you're equals, you have people above you or below you, uh, that that you have to have that. You have to have the capability. And real quick example, one small thing I do every day. Actually, I can't do it right now. uh, But when we get back into the office, I will walk up to everybody every day and I will either fist bump them, shake their hand, or shoulder tap them just to show yeah. that 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 presence, I think that that's, that's important. Um, that's what I make sure I do with everybody that's in my 360 every day, I think it's important. Uh, okay. there's, no, there's nothing that comes out of my mouth using that process except for how you doing or glad you're here or glad to be working with you today. Those small things day to day make big impacts over time. So uh, I leave it open to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, my motivation is um, just seeing progression. Uh, One of the things that I really enjoyed, uh, enjoy is seeing, uh, you know, taking an individual or an athlete from, um, you know, a certain point and then just seeing them grow, uh, whether it be four years over college or just, you know, a a career um, for for the guys I work with now. Um, Just seeing them, you know, from day one, uh, stepping in the door, um, and then, you know, seeing as the time progresses, um, you know, taking ownership of their own, uh, more or less being stewards of their own development. And, um, and that's, uh, that's one thing that I really enjoy seeing. I mean, you can see people, uh, just their sheer confidence level, uh, go up both from on the field or, uh, or, or ending, um, and also just seeing like their bodies. I mean, there's some measurable things that we have out there. We have strength measures, we have other things and, and just seeing, uh, when they hit PRs and everything, that's, uh, you know, you almost live vicariously through that. Um, and you can feel that's very visceral. Um, so that, that motivates me to experience that, uh, and just kind of be a part of it. Um, <clears throat> I would say that, uh, my motivation just as a career is, you know, I really want to build something. Um, you know, I'm more or less low man right now. Um, now we are very autonomous where I'm at. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of freedom, um, which is really great. Um, and so one thing that you know as far as just kind of the way I interact with every day is I just try and be i try and say yes to anything i 'm asked to do i 'm um, not perfect i i have, of course may do uh, you know may shy away from some of the uh, activities that I probably don 't want to be a part of um, but if i 'm asked to do it i 'm always going to say yes, and I think that that 's very important um, because ultimately you know if you say no even once or twice, all of a sudden you're not asked to do much anymore and then you become disposable and then you're gone. Um, so I try and be as much a part of, uh, an integral part. Um, and you know, it can't be interchanged, uh, as much as I can. Um, so that kind of, you know, that mindset almost, uh, you know, is a, is somewhat of a motivation for me to kind of, um, deal with my day to day. Um, I, I would say that my motivations haven't really changed other than originally when i got into this i think it was because i just really liked training myself and so that has not um i would say that that's kind of matured over time i, I don't spend as much time on me as much as i kind of used to and i think that was a big, a big motivation of you know, even four or five years ago uh seeing how i could progress and though you know, I was learning at the same time. I think it was kind of uh, – it was a selfish endeavor uh, more than it was about just truly other people.
1: Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now.
2: Thanks, Coach. Yeah, Coach. So could you could you tell us um, – I'm curious to know your experience. Uh, we all were on the college side. What's been your experience with the personalities – um and looking at the intrinsic and possibly even extrinsic uh I guess you could say rewards or what the athletes uh you experience in the collegiate sector as compared to where you are now.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I mean obviously, you know, they take ownership here way more than I think our college athletes did. I think that there's probably some of the environment to do with that. Um You know, our guys are asked to, no, not asked. They, they are expected to take ownership. They aren't here because they were asked to be here. They weren't recruited into it necessarily. They, they have a love for it and they wanted to be here and they knew what they were signing up for when they got here. The difference obviously is in the college setting, you never really know. Um, you never really know which ones are going to stick it out. Um, you you hope that they'll take ownership, but it, a lot of it takes uh, from the team, and it may come from us as well. Depends on the environment of the 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 group, uh, as far as like a, a you know a sports setting, um, you know how much leadership is on the team, et cetera, et cetera. Leadership here is never in question. Uh, leadership here is number one. It's set. We know who the top brass is. We know who we answer. They, you know if you're a if you're an enlisted guy, you know who you're you're asked uh, um, to uh, uh, you know who you're answering to. Um, so that ownership and stuff comes from that. So you kind of know who to talk to. Um, and that's uh, and that's a, a huge piece of it. Um, you know, that motivation, I mean, it, it's, it's no secret that uh, what you're doing is dangerous and you could be killed just in training. Um, so you take it very seriously. And uh, I think that that is a, a huge part of, you know, where any of this comes from. I mean, where that drive and that desire. Um, you didn't, you got into this knowing that it's not a secret. So uh, that makes it easy, really easy for us because we don't have to pretend or, or you know, make believe that it's really dangerous. Like we do in sport. i mean, we say it all the time. Remember being a sport coach all the time. You got to take this seriously. You got to be really serious about this. The fact is, is, I mean, it's still a game, you know, I mean, it's still a game. This isn't a game anymore. We're not chasing a ball around the field. So, I mean, this is a, this is, this is it. This is a big deal.
1: A, a cool quote I heard from uh, Tom Linsky. He said one time he talks on a platform, working with soldiers. Um, one time he, he saw it say, somewhere in the world, someone is trying to kill you. Yeah. So that's what you're working for. Right. And I thought, I thought that that's, that's that takes training Ooh. to being... <laughs> the American military population to a whole nother level. Yeah. You yeah. know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if you're a, a guy behind a computer or you're a guy kicking a door in you all, that means all of them. And I think that's that if you, as a coach, you really understand that with the, with the athletes you're working with, uh, you see the higher purpose. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's special. So next question for you coach. Um, so in our current setting, um, soldiers we work with it's, it's volunteer so it's almost like we have to recruit them um, there has to be somewhat of a sales pitch behind it um, so in that understanding uh, we're in this um, to obviously for the betterment of the soldier uh, but with that understanding we have to find whimsical ways to, to bring them in um, I was wondering if you had some insight into that
0: I mean, yeah, of course. I want to work with as many people as I can. I guess the first thing that should be said is I don't want to really want to work with anybody who doesn't want to work with me back. I mean, I'll be happy to be friends with you. But if you don't want to be on a program because you feel comfortable with what what you're doing, I think that is kind of laying that out there right off the bat. Um, Just understanding that you're not going to be a resource for you in any way way you want. You know, if it's straight up one-on-one programming, then that's what I want to do. Uh, But if it's just giving you guidance on, you know, certain ways to do certain lifts and kind of what I'd stay away from or what I might add, so on and so forth. then that's what I am too. You know, I'm just, if I'm just the guy on the floor that you see every now and then, and you just kind of have a chat and conversation, that's relationship building. I mean, eventually we may get to that place where you'll let me into that kind of that behind that iron curtain and I can work with you from uh, a training standpoint. But if not, then, you know, as long as you're, you're in front of me, I'm going to, Try and help you out in any way I know how, um, even if that's just being a guy. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, a lot, of, we have a very motivated population. Um, so honestly, getting them and making them want to train is not a hard thing to do. Uh, I w- if anything, I think what we see more than not is pulling the reins, kind of pulling people back so that they're not beating themselves into the ground. I mean, the whole idea of all of this is so that we, you know, create a uh, more maintainable uh, career so that there's not severe of a drop off after they, you know, hit a certain age or so on. Um, And then uh, the longevity of the career. And then whenever they detach or when they leave that they're still healthy whenever they get into whatever they uh, uh, do, um, you know, after, after this job. Um, so it's not necessarily this thing where I say that everything that we're doing this program, everything that I'm doing is everything you need to do. Um, you know, I think it's incredibly important. And my piece of that I think is, is important as well. Cause uh, each one of the pillars is going to um, from a spiritual to nutrition, everything other standpoint uh, within the program is going to build off of each other. Um, we can all speak the same language. Um, from the mental performance specialist. I mean, I can, I can see the way she interacts with the guy and and makes uh, comments to him and I can do the same thing and I can gear my programs at least to communicate um, the way we all should communicate with his own program. Um, So, you know, it's, it's just one, it's just one piece is kind of the way I would, I would kind of go with it. Like, so bringing somebody in trying to, you know, sell myself or or whatever in this uh, in this setting really isn't so much of a problem um for for me uh it is voluntary um but you know the entire force is voluntary and we have the best volunteers in the world so that that that's really not the hardest part
2: (laughs) coach you're up just uh on on a different note you know, with the, with all the, the, the technological advances that's going on within our field, uh, what are some ways that you've been able to incorporate technology, um, with training the population that you you're with? Um, and, and how do you, I guess, adapt your programming to what you're able to see?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, the big one obviously is the one that I think we're all kind of familiar with and, um, just being able to work remotely um which is completely different from what i would have probably ever done even five years ago especially when i want to started. you know everything's on excel and everything you hand out sheets if you can't hand out a sheet then you weren't going to be able to communicate with a guy and then it became well try and send it over email and whether they got it or not and god forbid we have hieroglyphics on our all of our sheets they all look you know super different from each other i don't know what that is versus what this guy calls that. So, um, you know, having, a, the, you know, the remote training piece, uh, that they can all access from their phones has been huge, um, for me. And, uh, it's something that uh, we fell into. Uh, I don't think that originally I intended for, to be using, you know, train heroic even, or, you know, bridge or any of those. I didn't really do that. Um, i more or less was just trying to look, actually, we had a guy come in and present something to us. It was, um, an app on his phone and had training on it. And I was like, you know, this is, this is kind of taking fire. I, I see this happen a lot more and more. And so I went to them, the actual app company and, and, and talked to them. And I was like, Hey, is there a, way that, you know, we can get, we can get a foothold here. Can we put some programs on this thing? And he said, yes. And, um, uh, what ended up happening was it was a little bit more work than it probably should have been, and so then that 's when we started to seek out the train road bridges and and so on and so forth and, the, and we you know we picked one uh from there and um really uh i mean that 's been huge especially especially during right now having to communicate the communicating uh it has been it has been huge. I spend a tremendous amount of time, uh, but less time than I probably would have otherwise, uh, being able to compete with guys and constantly staying in touch. Um, and as far as the actual technology and strength and conditioning, you know, uh, you know, there's some good stuff out there. Um, the velocity of, uh, being able to use, um, uh, the purchase elite forms. the you know, whatever the, the, basically the, the gym wear, so on, stuff like that. Um, being able to use those is, is really good a velocity based training program. It's hard to take that with you. So a lot of times I air away the time it's just percentage based training and just have to trust the numbers. Um, you know, what happens with, uh, with stuff like that is if it did catch fun, it absolutely took off like anything, um, you know, we would use it, uh, no doubt about it. Um, spent wearables, um, force plates, all that different stuff. If it, if it absolutely just blew up and everybody wanted it, then we would do it. Um, but as it is, you know, what, what it kind of comes down to is uh, a lot of us just still feel right. All of us, um, you know, as far as the wearables and what that communicates to you and everything, you know, you still have to just go off of how I feel. If I feel really good, then I'm going to train really hard. If I feel like crap, then I'm not going to train that hard, you know? And what's that, you know, how can we, how can we uh, adapt that? Well, it's going to be sleep. It's going to be nutrition. There are going to be other aspects of, of, uh, kind of what's happening. So, uh, you know, we use, we, I think more or less we use the technology as communication tools more than anything. You start a conversation. Um, they don't, I would not say that we base training or my base, my training, I should say off of, uh, off of what the technology is telling me. I'm, I'm kind of going off of, again, just person by person, what's happening. Um, you know, just communication.
1: Uh, Second part I really want to ask you coach is, uh, you're starting your career to now. Um, we talked about the motivating factor. Uh, what have you seen trend-wise? Has anything changed? A lot of people will say, you know, you never get away from the bases. But what have you seen change in the field for training athletes? And what have you seen the most efficient way to train athletes? In your opinion, um, what not get away from? Obviously, ground based Might someone might say they might see a certain type of equipment. So you already talked about the technology at one. But as a whole,
0: style of training, what have you seen the most effective? Man, so big one right from the start of my career personally was CrossFit. I mean, that really has changed so much of, you know, just what – and I and I, I can't even tell you, like, like, some of these things that people never knew about are household names now, the snatch, the clean and jerk, stuff like that. I mean, that's something that was – unheard of no one even knew what olympic was were olympic lifting shoes i mean i remember there were two companies adidas and to that was pretty much it um and now you know it's just taken off um and that's really changed this amount of just how i think training especially in this population is done um and kind of what is aired towards um you know how how the training is has evolved um you know what is seen as uh, normal and and uh, what you're going to what you're going to walk into really any weight room, but especially, uh, you know, a, uh, a setting like this, what kind of weight room you walk into and what you're going to see. Um, you know, you're going to see more machines, machines, probably less. So you're going to see more people doing, um, you know, like you said, the core basic movement, squat, hinge, press and pull. Yeah. You're absolutely going to see that now. Um, maybe versus even 10 years ago, whenever it was going to be a tremendous amount of just machines and, and, um, know oh, the Kaiser machines and everything else that they kind of went along um and then uh as far as me personally from from what I uh you know kind of my my programming has adapted over time um yeah I mean of course like you said it's the base um but I probably would have tried to force every square peg into you know, a round hole and uh and now more or less I just meet the guys where they're at uh, you know, I want to see triple extension. Um, you know, I'd love to see them love to see them put weight over their head and, and get achieve triple extension that way. But, you know, it could very well be that we just do med ball throws or, or something, um, you know, apply or metrics or, um, stuff like that to be able to get that, uh, that stimulus. If, you know, it doesn't all have to be, uh, look the exact same. Um, and even the variations themselves, if a guy can't pull from the floor, that's fine. Maybe we can pull from the hang. Can he get into that catch position? No, it probably can't get in that, you know, maybe he can't. Well, then let's just do the pulls. Um, so just being able to adapt your training around high um, versus, you know, adapting the guy around your training. That's not, you know, that's not how I'm going to do it. The other thing that I would say is I used to be dead set on, well, this is the way to train. Like this is the progression. This is the periodization model, more or less. I don't know it works as long as it's a plan um you know tremendous amount of athletes have seen tremendous gains and and um in different facets of uh of training so um you know it's cool to uh it's kind of cool to have that realization that you know one uh one program is not the perfect program
2: so coach let me ask you you talking about adapting your program Around your athletes, what without having to get you know too in depth, um, what 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 things have you seen? Or I think more specifically, what I want to ask is, is: what do you use, or, or what methods are you using? Let's say when you have one of your athletes or a group of your athletes, um, and it's a high stress day um, in training per se. Um, you know, how do you adapt your program there? then as compared to, let's say, they're coming back and, you know, they may be, you know, out of town or out of commission for a number of weeks, and you really need to work on increasing their, their lean muscle mass, getting them back to, you know, where they left off. What do what, what you do in those instances? Well, yeah, I mean,
0: <clears throat> as far as building a program or I reigning mean, – um, you you really just have to trust the individual. Um, I, I think that's a lot of what I do. Um, you know, I, I always uh, always 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 communicate with them that you know uh, some of the stuff is superfluous. Sometimes I just put on guys so you know if they're really feeling good that day, then they can hit it and they can go a lot extra. But I you know I communicate very very plainly. Stuff can be minus. You know, let's hit all you can do is just hit your bigs today, if we just hit the squats, if we just hit so on and so forth, then that's fine. You got everything out of, you had, I I always communicate with them, uh, especially to the ones that'll listen, um, that you have to realize that training is part of, uh, you have to add it on. It's not weight room. And then it's alone, always alone. Nothing else will affect the weight room. What I can do in the weight room is what I can do in the weight room. You have to understand that where your training environment is is really going to affect that weight room. So how do you complement those two things? And training is static. That's not going to change. So what are we doing in the weight room to complement that? Uh, ultimately, the the training in the weight room should basically complement the training uh, if, um, if not be the reason you are training. So I'm trying to do my PT. I'm trying to do my weight room so that I can be better at training, my job specific training. Um, because nothing I do in the weight room is going to look like I do, uh, look like what in, in the job. Um, so, you know, that's part of that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if they really feel good, then i I usually put in like plus sets. That's kind of just an easy go to, you know, put in a plus set towards the end of the, the lift or, or put in like some type of finisher that you know on the floor if they just really want to do it uh, 100 reps of something 100, 100 you know 100 of something it doesn't have to be anything really specific it can be a single joint it doesn't really matter uh, as long as it's just something um, and then you know it, like anytime those plus sets they they could be taken out you know they they don't have to do them um, that's where that velocity based training would be really really cool to see how that could take fire with all this, uh, and, uh, but again, that we're just kind of, we're not right there yet. Uh, but I think once that, if that can, if that can go and it's been around forever, if that can get, you know, get a little bit more traction, I think that it'd be really cool to see, uh, you know, the adaptations behind that.
1: Who, uh, do you seek out now for knowledge? Um, in your current setting uh, to help you in with working with your athletes? Um, What resources do you use outside of that material? um, Kind of what do you dive into? Uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, I really look into, um, a a lot of it comes from just talking to people on our stuff. Uh, You know, that's been really helpful. We got some knowledgeable people. um, And so, a lot of times those, uh, you know, that, that'll kind of show me, you know, Hey, there's some, there's some more to learn. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to other people in the profession, uh, one in particular, uh, Cole put me, in, um, uh, onto the Aldoa, uh, you know, he had actually told me about years ago and I said, and, and then it went a couple of years ago that I, I really I went and did the the level one Aldoa and, uh, been the biggest thing that I've added, which I very rarely add things. Um, but I really found some, some really cool stuff with that. Um, you know, anytime you, anything on like water or, or from customer, then there's usually some pretty good weight behind it. Um, so you can try to check that stuff out. Um, let's say, you know, I, I, kind of just take from more or less just peers. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't really look at a lot of publications. Um, so, more or less, I, I feel like uh, most of what I, I, I gather is just from on the field.
2: So, how has or how do you feel your, let's say, your coaching style has changed over time? Especially looking at the differences of the collegiate level and those kids, and then a lot of the Type A personalities that we're dealing with within our realm, um, have you felt like you've changed uh, any or you know along those lines?
0: Yeah i uh, I definitely feel like you know in the college setting, you're really encouraged to be the hype man, you know, to be the loudest one in the room. Um, I' have never was comfortable with that, and certainly I'm more comfortable now because I don't have to be that um you know we we're not asked to be that you're gonna be kind of be look kind of funny uh in front of uh the, the you know this group to if you're the hype man if you're the guy that's running around uh, like his hair's on fire, then you know um I think it probably fits better with who I am I'm kind of quiet on maybe quieter on the floor than multiple you know, would expect a strange coach to be um you know, I, I kind of just take a no-nonsense approach. Just look at the guys and say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we have today. Um, you know, do we have any questions? Nope. Let's go. Like, that's just kind of – I feel like it fits really well. Um, and then, uh, you know, if we got to, you know, put some music on or something like that and to get the room up a bit, then I'm, I love that. It's comfortable with that. Always have been, really. Um, but, yeah, I mean – uh, just, yeah, being that, just being that loud guy has never really been me. Um, so college setting had to do that a little bit more. Um, I don't know why, I don't know when that happened. Uh, cause I feel like that's taken the, taking the, this off the athletes and putting it all on you. And maybe that's the point, but I never really understood why, why it happened. Um, but here it's definitely, it's definitely different. Just kind of, Um, you get to coach, you know, you actually get to, you don't have to just run around the floor, clapping your hands or anything. You actually get to, you know, interact with the guys and, and, you know, coach technique and, um, you know, praise them if they do well. And, uh, there's really not, there's almost no, if any reprimand of like, Hey, you know, we're, we're acting up.
1: Um, so it's a little bit, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely different. It's certainly different. where do you see yourself, uh, in 10 years? Yeah. I mean,
0: uh, and one, maybe even the motivation piece, um, you know, I really want to build something. Uh, I want to you know, be able to parlay this position that I'm in, which is awesome. And I'm going to do everything I can in, in this setting to, uh, uh, to, you know, serve, um, the way I want to feel is necessary for this community, especially, um, but I do want to take it and uh, I want to turn it into either a manager or a head type of position, head strength coach position. Um, and then I want to build something, um, uh, both figuratively and literally, I mean, I'll, I have a dream. I want to build, uh, you know, I, I don't on the budget. It can be small. I'd love to build a facility. I just think that's the coolest thing. And then be able to adapt that facility, uh, to, you know, to, um, more or less my kind of philosophy and, and training um, and being able to put that towards a, a community of people, whether it be college again, it doesn't really matter. I'd love to stay here, um, you know, in tactical, but ultimately um, you know, it's going to be a lot of, you know, the family decisions and stuff. So in 10 years, I would say that that's definitely where I want to be. I want to be, um, you know, a head, a head position, a director position, whatever you want to deem it. And, uh, you know, building a program, if it's 10 years, hopefully it's already built, but, uh, you know, five years from now, you know, building a program and, and really seeing, um, you know, it kind of, uh, um, be, you know, a symbol for good to, to be able to, um, serve whatever community that is with.
1: I uh, kind of, while I let Cruz the piggyback that, so you want to build your own facility. What does that mean? Let's, let's start off, give something simple. 10,000 feet, square feet, uh, budget's really not, not, not a problem. You don't. I don't need to have a dissertation on it, but what do you want?
0: Well, you know, I mean, the basics as far as the racks and stuff like that, um, you know, we'd want to make uh, the space to be as efficient as possible. So uh, for my program, um, you know, I would put, you know, obviously I would kind of, the, as far as the money would be concerned, I'd spend a lot of money as far as, um, just really getting the, the highest quality in barbells and, and plates, um, getting good stuff as far as the racks. So we know it's uh, number one, safe and secure, but number two, we know that it's going to be there for years and years, and years to come. There's not going to be rust, not going to be oxidation. Um, you know, I'd have a, a pretty uh adaptable flooring type of system, whether that be a play or mono, it doesn't really matter. Uh but something even if it's just horse mats, I don't I don't care. Um but something, you know platforms necessarily, but just an area where we can make it a warm-up area, we can make it a rollout area, we can make it whatever. We don't have to just be captive to um the platforms. Um and then from there uh you know if you're talking about like machines and stuff, you know, I'm going to have the GHDs, which I don't really consider a machine, but we're going to have GHDs, reverse hypers, uh, four-way hip, and then pulley machines. Uh, you know, I really, it's like the, the plate loader pulley machines, um, either low or high row. It doesn't really matter. Uh, try and have at least one or two of those. Of course, a, uh, some type of belt squat, whether it be a rhino or a, 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 a pit shark. Um, uh, and then, um, you know, an assortment of types of barbells. Of course we'd have the straight bars. We have the Olympic bars, probably HD bars, you know, hybrid bars. Um, but then yeah, I'm going to have safety squat bars or I'm going to have the, uh, the adapto bar or whatever. Uh, you know, some duffel bars in there. Um, you know, the uh, multi grip neutral grip bars try and just make it as, uh, try and make it as, um, I don't want to say adaptable again, but, you know, make it as fluid as an environment as we can, you know, um, so it's not just strictly this, this, and this so that we can, you know, we can get those adaptations, we can get those stimuluses, but maybe we need to change it up a little bit. Maybe we need to put you a trap bar or maybe we need to, you know, do some different things, pull you from the blocks. Um, I like to have band attachments, uh, I like to have chains bands, I have to have accommodated resistance here and there. And then uh, and whatever it would look like, I'd put a a VBT, velocity-based device, on every rack if I could. Um, And just, again, it just sparks that communication. I'm like, what the hell is this? What is velocity-based training? Coach
1: Dupree.
2: Coach, let me ask you – uh, the environment that we're in is relatively new to a lot of strength and conditioning coaches. Certain populations have been a part of, you know, the, uh, utilizing strength coaches for for a good amount of time. What what, what would be some advice that you would give to uh, some strength coaches who may be interested, maybe transitioning from the collegiate uh, environment to um, our environment? yeah uh,
0: I would definitely you know be really encouraged and enthused um, it's as far as the way we know these jobs can go it's amazing uh, you know 40 hour works weeks um, you know the, the government holidays off uh, weekends off um, not having to travel with the teams uh, it's it's really it's really a great gig for what kind of we thought we were getting into i think is is originally the profession um where 40 hours is crazy if you're working 40 hours you're working that's a half a week far as the college set is concerned uh having thanksgiving off what you know who what is that? that that's being home during christmas that's crazy um so just being in that and then working with a tremendously motivated population um I mean, that's, uh, that's really encouraging stuff. Uh, and So I would just tell them to be super enthusiastic and try and get in as much as you can. But there are those that love the grind, and I completely understand. Um, you know, there's, there's just that uh, every now and then, the weirdest, weirdest sense will come over you where you just kind of miss that grind a little bit. You miss that, uh, you know, being with the athletes and seeing them uh, just day by day by day by day by day. And you just kind of become like your own family. The one thing about, you know, these populations we work with now is, is you'll see a guy for about two weeks and then he just disappears. You know, he's out during training, you know, maybe deployed, who knows, um, you know, just be, you know, you just, it's really hard to, to get the true relationships you would get with, uh, that athlete, athletic, uh, setting. So, you know, if you, if that's really something you're truly, truly dead set into, um, then I, you know, I completely understand. Um, but as far as, I mean, I, some of my best friends do live here. I mean, I, I, you know, I get to, uh, get to see some of my friends every day. I work with them. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, you get to see them and then, you know, they're gone and then you get to see them and then they're gone and then they're back and then they're gone. They're back and they're gone. <laughs> it's just different. It's just different.
1: Uh, to piggyback off that, you know, um, recent uh, organizations such as the CSCA has not approved um, military straight and conditioning as, as an approved uh, straight conditioning coach. They say that they're not considered straight and conditioning coaches, um, which, of course, I will share my view, and I said that's a bunch of bull crap. Um, they don't know. They're a bunch of old dogs. Uh, what do you have to say to that? How do you inform them that they're wrong?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think ultimately as a strength and conditioning coach in any setting you're in, um, there is a performance that needs to be executed, um, whether that be from the football field or on the basketball floor or soccer or the pitch, whatever. Um, as a strength and conditioning coach in any position and job, your main objective is to uh, increase the capabilities of that athlete in that setting. Um, you know, I'm not making the weightlifters, make no mistake about it. I'm, you know, I, I don't program people to just be better weightlifters. I program them to be, you know, better uh, in whatever field that they need to be in. Um, and so ultimately uh, it's not that dissimilar. Um, I'm taking uh, the same approach that I would with a college athlete. Um, you know, I'm looking at training the same as I would look at sport, uh, as far as what are the biomechanics, bioenergetic demands of that, that thing, that, uh, objective. And how can I model my program to directly, if not,
1: uh, as much as possible, uh, mimic that activity. Coach, uh, next one I really want to ask you. Thinking about, you know, in any athletic setting, at some point in time, you're going to have guys come in that are not a part of your program. They're new to it, uh, to be transferred and the military setting it's a PCS a piece um, If it's in the high school setting, they might move in, um, and they've done something a certain way. Uh, they're willing to buy in. They're willing to listen to your methods and what you do. Um, how do you go about? Having them buy in, um, obviously, we know relationships is a big part of it. If there's anything specifically you think you do might be unique or might just say, hey, it's, it's just foundational. But what do you do for the buy in to the individual and also from the team to hold it up? Well, I
0: think that comes into just being informed as much as you can on everything that's happening out there. Um, so if someone comes from Exos and really liked what Exos did, what well, you need to know what Exos did. Uh, whether it be go and visit Exos or, or talk to, have relationships with those people at, at uh, Ex- you know, any one of these performance places or, or uh, the guy really likes what uh, Ben Bergeron does and comp train. Well, you need to know what comp train does. You need to know those things. You need to be uh, kind of a, um, a connoisseur of anything and everything training so that you can speak to that. It's not some foreign language to you or, and, and if it is so you, of course you own it. You can't be fake. Um, but you know, just be informed. Uh, I had a guy come to me about blood flow restriction training at the time I had absolute zero knowledge of it. I had to be very honest with him as I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I've, I have no idea. And then, um, got into a little bit more and decided to go ahead and get certified in blood flow restriction training. And then therefore I can meet that guy where he's at. And though, if he really wants to do some, you know, some, some BFR, then that's great. I'll give him BFR, but then, you know, also need to tell him. You know, I, I did this cert. I own this now. I, I'm with you. I think this is cool, but I don't think this is everything. And here's why. And uh, same thing with maybe an Exos. If you, know, you have issues with that uh, program, if, if, it's, if it's something you don't really like or, or, or something, you just tell them, you're like, listen, I know the Exos model, I know exactly what they do. Uh, I'm certified. I, you know, and, and you just, you're like, listen, I, I love pieces of that. You were right but let's, let's kind of look at it. So just being informed in what they're bringing to you is very important, if not the most important, so that you can talk to them about, yes, if you believe they should change it. Maybe you don't believe they should change it. Um,
1: so. Um, I guess the last question I want to ask for the day and kind of then turn it over to you. Um, uh, as you move forward, if you were going to go from this setting back to the college setting, uh, is there anything that you, you've kind of cultivated and realized and understood now it's like the aha moment? I wish I would have done this while I was working with college athletes. Yeah. Uh, what is that and why in the college setting?
0: Yeah. I mean, the first thing and, and last thing I would do is just uh, create situations where the athletes can take ownership of their own program. Um, it is a special thing to have a completely empty weight room, if you will, no bars, no cones, no hurdles, you know, mobility hurdles, no PVC pipe, none of that stuff is out. And tell the, whatever be the top brass of the team or, or whoever, you know, whoever the team lead is, tell him what needs to get out, what needs to get uh, done, and then watch them do it. And it's not foreign. I, I remember, uh, we had early outs for our baseball team. You know, the coaches trusted those guys to go out to the field and get out the batting cages and everything else. Why can't we do that as strength coach? It's insane. It, I feel like I'm, I'm banging my head against the wall. We, I, I can't tell you how many hours I spent in the college setting, setting up, ending up everything for the athletes, the out there and setting up the station warmups for them. God forbid, cause they can't get their own bands. Um, or, uh, or setting up the bags for, uh, for football drills and, you know, fourth quarter drills and stuff, God forbid the guys can get their own stuff out. And what you do is you steal that from them. You steal that respect from them that you don't think they can accomplish that. You don't trust them enough to be able to do this very, very simple task. Um, you know, just having the guys do their own warmups. I mean, it, you know, really when it comes down to it, why can't they? Why can't they do their own warmups? Yeah, if you want have to have something special in there or you want to add some secret sauce in there that, that you have your own, then yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you're putting your entire program on your warm-up, and if you don't do the warm-up right, then you're going to be screwed for your entire workout. Then you're not probably doing the right workout in the first place. Um, so, you know, I just, there's a lot of things that I think that can be done in the college setting. And maybe I'll eat crow one day. Maybe I'll go back and I'll, I'll try this and I'll get thrown in my face. And I'm telling you, I mean, it's, it's really cool to see, um, you know, people just own it, just take ownership and, and uh, believe in what they're doing and, and what you've given them and that, um, you know, they can police themselves when you see a group police themselves that, uh, that takes a, takes a, some, I don't know, it's, it's a special feeling because then, you know, you can now do what you're actually there to do, which is coach. Um so that's kind of and when people think coaching is just policing I think that's wrong. I don't think that that's what any of us intended to do. I want to be I mean if you really want to police then you need to go put on that badge and uniform. Um but if you want to be, you know, if you're I was once told that strength coaches are prison guards and that's not only insulting, I think it's deadly wrong. Um I think that we are coaches. Uh we are teachers. And whenever you just become some prison guard and uh, uh, you need to choose a different profession.
1: So this uh, back of the interview, kind of what I want to do, Coach, is uh, kind of two parts, and it's up to you. Uh, one, today, you know, we ask you a lot of questions. Um, if there's any questions you want to ask us, feel free to. But also in the section, uh, there's also things I think that you wanted to say and bring them to the table. Um, I call them knowledge nuggets. If you uh, wanted to uh, repeat any other knowledge nuggets uh, or put out those knowledge nuggets for today, uh, this is your platform. So please cool. do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mentioned LDOA. Um I took the cert in January, I believe it yeah. 18 or 19, doesn't really matter. It's 19, I think. Um, I, again, Aircorn Corn brought, brought it to my attention. Um, the the Eldoa is actually a French acronym. In English, it'd be LOADS which is longitudinal osteoarticular decoaptation stretching, or some people know it as myofascial stretching. Um, Essentially, the illustration that could be used is um, if I had a piece of rope, let's just say that that rope has a mind, and I were to take that piece of rope and physically stretch it, that's typically what we do every day. We take some type of apparatus, whether it be bands or ropes, and we try and stretch our own muscles so i'm taking that rope and i'm pulling it apart thinking of a muscle now what if i told that rope to twist itself so that it created that decoapt or stretching on its own that's what the LDOA is so essentially you're using your own you know um physiology to essentially create space within the organism so if you have um you know, if you have a wall or you have even a buddy, um, a lot of these stretches can be, uh, accomplished on their own. Um, and they're pretty cool. A lot of them center, all of them are uh, well, almost everything we do should be, but it's all core to extremity. Um, so, uh, it's a lot of creating distance, especially in the spine. Um, but there, you know, there's localized stretching as well for, uh, whether it be hip flexor, or hamstring, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you just, you create your own tension within your body, whether it be from, you know, externally rotate here, internally rotate here, abduct here, induct, you know, so on, you know, adduct here, like everything. Um and it's really cool. Uh and some of the testimonials are really neat. Um, it's a really easy thing to add. It's a minute. Um, it's a great post exercise uh thing and then pre-bed, especially when you're about to go into that uh that weightless environment and be able to get some uh, good uh, uh, rehydration in the spine. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Um, it is a really long day, couple days as a cert. So just understand that they're trying to sell you the next one. Um, you know, I got the level one. That's all I need. I may do the level two one day, but you know, there's level one and two together. I would encourage people to do that if they really want to. Uh, don't do the level two on its own. You'll it, It's kind of oh maybe maybe you'd love it. I don't know. Uh, but the level one, I really enjoyed that. Um, but it's two long days. Uh, it's two long days. Um, and I'm pissed cause I missed the, uh, I missed the Rams saints game, uh, that year, whenever the saints got screwed out of a, uh, a trip to the super bowl, the uh, Rams guy yeah, hit him, uh, obvious pass interference, Missed that game cause the El do a cert.
1: <laughs> Any other knowledge nuggets coach?
0: Oh, no, not much. I'm not that smart.
1: (laughs) Well, I wanted to thank you for today. Um, you for the opportunity to get you on and hear a little insight of what you do and um, hear your philosophy. I think it's it's important for coaches to have that access. I think it's, you know, anybody and everybody tries to create their niche and really, uh, when they hear people talk, they realize there's not a lot to it, but there's also avenues to kind of, the end of the spear, you always can make the spear sharper, I, I believe. That's verification. Sure. to hear everybody kind of do their take. It gives you the opportunity to say, not necessarily, hey, I'm going to learn from this guy. And this guy's the, the Bible. He's the word, but it's more of this guy gives me an avenue where I need to go next. And I, I appreciate you providing that, Coach. Um, sure, man. Best of luck in this crazy time, and uh, see you on the flip side. Thank you. Thank you, Darius. Thank you. Justin. I appreciate it. Later,
0: man. See yeah. ya.